This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we begin a series called Building a Better Future. In these lessons, Pastor Rick shows us how to build a foundation for a better future by following the examples of leaders in the Bible who followed God's calling to rebuild after a time of captivity. Well, you've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. But it's not always easy to feel grateful. That's why Pastor Rick developed a great new resource called The Power of Gratitude. Go to PastorRick.com to find out more or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called Making a Plan to Improve Your Life. There are five books in the Bible that specifically give us instructions for how to build a better future after a time of captivity. And those books are Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi. They're all in the Old Testament. And the first principle, it's there on your outline. If you pull out your app message notes, the first principle is this. Principle number one, you got to get dissatisfied with your current situation. If you're going to build a better future, you've got to get dissatisfied with your current situation. That's what happened with Nehemiah. Nehemiah held a very high position in the king's court in Persia, and he was the king's uh, actually uh, 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 steward of the wine. But he got a burden for his hometown in Jerusalem. And some of the captives had been allowed to return to Jerusalem after 70 years. But when they got home, they discovered that the temple and their homes and the entire city had been destroyed. And there were no walls or gates around the city anymore. So it was defenseless. Now, this really concerned Nehemiah and it made him very sad. And he he became burdened about it. Principle number two is start with what needs changing inside of me. You don't start with all the externals around. You don't start with changing your circumstance. You start by changing your attitude. You start with changing inside you. Now, today, we're going to look at the third principle of building a better future. And this principle is found in the second chapter of Nehemiah, the first nine verses. And here's the third principle. After you become dissatisfied and uh, with what you've got, and you start looking inside at you, what needs changing inside of me, point number three is this. You need to make a plan. If you're going to build a better future, you got to have a plan for your life. You have to have a life plan. You need to write down a simple plan and get started on building a better future. Now, it's not going to happen without a plan. If you don't have a plan for a better future in your life, you're just going to coast. Uh, And you can't coast into a better you. You can't drift into a better future. It takes intention and it takes planning. Now, I'm sure you've heard the old cliche, if you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. Now, that may be a cliche, but you know what? It's still true. Nothing's going to happen in your life till you first get dissatisfied with what you're doing Take a good look at what's going on inside your soul, and then you come up with a simple plan. But you know what? As followers of Jesus, we don't base our lives on cliches. We base our lives on the foundation of Scripture. Everything we do is based on God's Word. And fortunately, the book of Nehemiah in chapter 2 gives us a very practical model for life planning. And that's why I'm calling this message, Making a Plan to Improve Your Life. 
Now, before I show you Nehemiah's seven-step planning model for making a better future in your life, let me first answer the question, why? Why should I make plans? Well, there are a lot of biblical reasons, but let me just mention three. They're there on your outline. First, you need to plan your life because God makes plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now listen, if God makes plans and he wants us to be like him, then we should make plans too. Do you have any plans for the rest of the year? Do you have any plans for your next year? Do you have any plans for the next 10 years? You're not living, you're just drifting if you don't have any plans. You're just existing. You're you're letting circumstances determine the direction of your life. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says this, God is not a God of disorder. So if your life has no plans, if your life has no order to it, then guess what? Your life's out of order. And that's not the kind of life that God created you to live. So God makes plans. Number two, you ought to plan because God tells me to plan. All through scripture, particularly in the book of Proverbs, the Bible talks about the value of planning your life. Proverbs 4.26 says this, mark out a straight path for your feet. What's that mean? Plan it. Mark out a straight path for your feet. That's another way of saying make a plan. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet and then stick to that path and stay safe. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. What's he saying? God doesn't want your life to be a life of chaos. God doesn't want your life to be a life of confusion, just drifting, muddling through life, all mixed up. He wants you to have a plan. God plans, he tells you to plan, and here's the third reason, so I don't waste my life. So I don't waste my life. Planning is a matter of stewardship. Your life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift back to God. And the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. I love it in the Phillips translation. Live life with a due sense of responsibility, not as those who don't know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time. You can't do that without a plan. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. You say, okay, Rick, I got it. I realize that if I'm going to build a better future... I'm going to have to make some God-inspired plans. How do you do that? Well, that's what this message is about today. You just copy what Nehemiah did in chapter 2. The seven steps when Nehemiah got a burden, when he got a vision, when he set up a plan, he did seven things in his plan. It's found in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, to chapter 2, verse 9. Now, again, the background, Nehemiah desperately wanted to return to his home, the land of Israel, and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem. But he has a very important and actually a very comfortable, cushy job in Persia, serving in the royal court of a king called Artaxerxes. And uh, he couldn't just offhandedly suggest to the king, just let him go without a plan. So he comes up with a plan and he gives us a model of seven steps that you need for life planning in your life. 
I want you to practice these seven steps this week as you think about building a better future for your life. All right. This is going to be a very practical message. All right. Here's step one in developing a life plan. Step one, pray and ask for God's favor. Pray and ask for God's favor on your life. God's favor is God's grace. This is the first thing that Nehemiah does in his life plan. Nehemiah chapter one, verse 11, he says this, he prays, oh Lord, please hear my prayer and listen to the prayers of all your servants who love to honor you. That's all of us. Give your servant success today. Is it okay to pray for success? Nehemiah did. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the king's presence. And he says, I prayed this prayer. He says, in those days, I was the king's wine steward. Now, that probably wasn't a very stressful job. I mean, you're just serving the king wine, okay? Now, you may be thinking, I have no idea what I should be doing with my future. I have no idea what I should be doing in the next six months. I don't know what to do with my life, so I don't have any idea what to pray about. Well, you know what? You can pray about that. You can pray that you don't know what you should be doing. James chapter one, verse five says this. If you want to know what God wants you to do, just ask him and he'll gladly tell you. For he's always ready to give a generous supply of wisdom to all who ask. So you go, I don't even know what my vision, what my dream, what my goal, what my target, what my plan is. Start saying, God, I don't have a plan. What's your plan for my life? Once you start asking God for wisdom and direction, you know what? He's going to put eventually an idea in your mind or a burden in your heart. You're going to look around and you're going to see something that needs changing. When Nehemiah started praying, God gave him a dream, gave him a vision, gave him a burden of seeing his hometown rebuilt and restored. So let me ask you, what needs to be rebuilt in your life? What needs to be restored in your life, in your family, in your job, around you, in your nation, in your city, in your community? What do you see out there in the world that needs to be changed? Let God give you that burden and keep praying and keep talking with about other mature believers about it. And you know what? Eventually, God is going to put something in your heart. That's the first step in life planning. Get a burden for something God wants to do in your life or through your life in the world. Now, here's the next step. Ready? Step two. Once you start praying and you ask God for his favor in your life, and show me what you want to do. Step two is this, prepare for an opportunity and then wait, okay? Whatever you say, you know, I think God wants me to do something about this problem in society, or God wants me to do about this problem in my company or in my home or in my community or in my church. You start preparing for an opportunity to do something and then you wait. You don't just sit around waiting for God to do something. You start preparing for that opportunity. Now, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter two, verse one, four months later, this is after he'd prayed this prayer, four months later, when King Artaxerxes was dining, I took the wine to him. Now notice, when you start praying for a vision, for a dream, for a goal, for a plan, it doesn't come instantly. God is not a vending machine. He's waiting to see if you're serious. 
And he says, four months later, all of a sudden, I get the opportunity. What was he doing during those four months? Preparing for the opportunity to ask the king, could he go do what God had called him to do? Now, Nehemiah had gotten this burden four months earlier, and for four months, he's been waiting for something to happen, and now something happens. What had been happening between that time when Noah, I mean, Nehemiah got his first idea about rebuilding the wall and rebuilding Jerusalem, and when he actually gets the opportunity to present his idea to the king, what had he been doing? He'd been praying, but he also had been planning, and he had also been preparing Now, we know that by the way he responded to the king when the king said, what do you want me to do? Nehemiah knew exactly what to ask for because he had been preparing for the opportunity. He'd been thinking about it. Howard Hendricks once said, nothing's more profitable than serious thinking and nothing is more demanding. If you're going to be a leader in this world, you need time to think. You need think time. You need time to get away. Leaders make time for think time. That's a law of leadership. Proverbs 13, 16 says this, a wise man thinks ahead. Are you doing that? Are you thinking about the next six months? Are you thinking about the next year of your life? You're thinking about the next five or 10 years of your life? A wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't. It even brags about it. See, it's wise to spend time thinking about your life. And what do you say, what do I think about? Well, ask yourself some questions like, where am I now? Where do I want to be? How will I get there? That's what Nehemiah did. He's thinking it through. He's praying for four months, but he's also planning and preparing for an opportunity to present his plan to the king. What happens when you pray and plan? God gives you a vision. But during this time, you're also preparing. And when opportunity knocks you'll be ready to open the door. You see, all of life's full of opportunities. There are opportunities all around you. You're just overlooking them. You are not seeing the opportunities that are all around you. Why? You're not praying. You're not preparing. You're not planning. A lot of times we're just not ready for the opportunities and they pass us by and then they're gone. So pray, all right? Start preparing for the opportunity and then wait for the opportunity to come. God will provide it at the right time. Step three. Expect fear, but don't let it stop me. This is the third thing we see in Nehemiah's plan. Expect fear, but don't let it stop me. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be right back to close out our time today. But first, did you know experts have discovered that gratitude is the healthiest human emotion? It makes you more resistant to stress and increases your overall happiness and satisfaction. You've probably noticed the more grateful a person is, the happier they are. That's the power of gratitude. In fact, the Bible tells us rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's clear that God wants us to develop the attitude of gratitude. That's why Pastor Rick developed a brand new Bible study called The Power of Gratitude. This innovative Bible study is filled with scripture, teaching, exercises, quotes, prayers, and journal pages. 
And as you go through the study, you'll discover many and often unique things you have to be grateful for every day. You'll develop a lifelong habit of expressing gratitude to God, a habit that leads to true happiness and satisfaction. We'll send you Pastor Rick's Power of Gratitude Bible Study when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take God's Word to people around the world. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this great resource. That's PastorRick.com or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. And thanks so very much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. You know, I love hearing from people who are growing closer to God through our Daily Hope broadcasts and, and emails. And it really encourages me when I hear your story. So please send them to me. You know, here's one that I got recently from Suzanne that I think is going to encourage you too. Suzanne wrote, I've been listening to Daily Hope for over a year and I get so much out of it. Sometimes it seems as though you're speaking directly to me. Well, I am, Suzanne. (laughs) Somehow, she says, I started listening to your Daily Hope messages and I feel that God made that happen because for the first time in my life, I'm understanding the teaching of Jesus and I feel so alive. My eyes are open and I look forward to each day. I haven't had a boring life, but I was always missing something that I just never could find. Suzanne writes, you know, I was incarcerated as a teen and I was married and I had a baby at 18 and that marriage was terribly abusive. And even at the lowest points in my life, I somehow had an optimism that somehow it would get better. And I now know that God was with me even though I didn't recognize it at the time. So thank you, Pastor Rick, for spreading the word of good hope. You know, Suzanne, I want to thank you so much for writing what you just wrote. And I'm so glad Daily Hope is helping you understand the Bible and God is speaking to you through his word. My friends, this story is what Daily Hope exists for. It's why we exist. We want to share the hope of God's word with people just like Suzanne. So I want to say to all of you, thank you so much. Those of you who generously support Daily Hope, so that people like Suzanne can discover God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy. If you'd like to let Rick know how this broadcast has blessed you, please feel free to send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.